Hello, I am Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team and host of Business Matters. Welcome back for another exciting episode of Business Matters. We're doing the pre-roll right now before the actual show recording takes place that is uh, out there on Real Talk 93.3. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, also remember to go over to YouTube. We have the the, uh, full picture there, so go there, subscribe to our video, and leave us some comments there on YouTube. We'll, we'll get back to you on those comments. Uh, we've got some other notes in, in the uh, YouTube uh, publication out there, so go take a look at that, subscribe to the channel, and then you'll get notified when we post future shows. Today we have in the house Samantha Paget. Samantha, welcome to our show. Charles, thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's going to be awesome. Samantha is the general counsel for the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association. Yes, sir. So that is... Uh, Florida Restaurant Lodging Association is an important, important association in the state of Florida that represents the hotels, the restaurants, all the lodging. The folks tourism industry in Florida. Those so are our people. That is a big deal. That's what Florida is about. So yes, sir. I know that is an important position that you have. So thank you for taking time today. Today, we're going to set up the show right now before we get into the details. Okay. But we are, the subject of today's show is going to be the $15 an hour minimum wage ballot initiative that's going that's taking place so in the state of florida yes sir you have to get to put something on the ballot you have to get so many uh signatures you have to get 766,200 signatures throughout the state and those signatures have to be certified they have to be certified they have to meet a list of requirements the signature gatherers have to be registered and once you get this those signatures they have to be verified by the secretary of state all right so i believe that the uh, the signatures have been verified so there are enough signatures that we will have that on the ballot this year in 2020 all of the requirements not only do you have to have the signatures but you also have to have a um, financial estimating impact report you also have to have uh, confirmation approval from the supreme court of the state of florida and they have recently indicated their support now their support doesn't mean that they support the subject matter right it just simply says that they have their scope of review as they look at does it make sense is it clear if you put this before the voter do they clearly understand what it is that they're voting for and does it meet all of the specific requirements to get on the ballot and they have said that yes this initiative does so it does look like this is something we will vote on in november of 2020 all right so this is a big deal so 15 dollars an hour so we've heard a lot in the the national news about a living wage the raising the minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour so now we get it in the state of florida so now this this decision is coming before the voters in the state of florida yes so in order is it a simple majority no in the state of florida it has to be over 60 percent okay so to get approved to become the law of the land 60 percent of voters in florida have to say yes we want this to become part of our constitution in florida all right so uh we'll talk more in the show about the effects of this whether it's good whether it's bad Mm -hmm. what what are the good things what are the bad things why you should love it why you should hate it (laughs) So I know that the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association, they've taken a position on this, and we'll discuss that in, in detail on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, I guess if we compare this to a recent uh, landmark decision in the state of Florida that was a ballot initiative also that went that achieved the 60%, that was the legalization of medical marijuana. Yes. So very similar process or probably the exact same process. It is. And just so happened that the same person behind the legalization of medical marijuana is also behind putting the ballot initiative 
on uh, the $15 minimum wage. So that's uh, John Morgan. So he was uh, instrumental in the legal, putting the ballot initiative for legalization of medical marijuana. Now mm-hmm. we have the same same person behind the $15 an hour minimum wage. Yes. So in the show, we'll, we will dive into some of the details mm-hmm. on what has happened in other other communities the state of florida is not the first to face this nor will they be the last uh what what's coming out with good statistics bad bad statistics i'm sure statistics are you can you can twist those to whatever position that you want to take and what's it look like what's what is the what's the process from here to vote time so we'll we'll go through that in um during the show also i think this is going to be a great show that this affects a lot of people, mm-hmm. you could say, you could be dramatic and say this affects every citizen in the state of Florida. That may not be an over overstatement, but it's going to affect a lot of people. It's going to affect how people are paid. It's going to affect the price of products Profit, and services. That and we, services. That we, Absolutely. So it's a big ripple effect to those doing the work, those providing the service, to those paying for it and, and paying for the service, paying for the goods. So it's going to be a r- big ripple effect in the economy in the state of Florida and let's let's talk about that i think it's going to be interesting and it's it affects the small business owner it mm-hmm. affects the small business and that's the that's our audience that's who we talk to so we we bring we bring the issues that matter to the to the business owner and we try to help them this is a an outlook for what they need to expect if this passes well we appreciate the opportunity to talk about it with your with your viewership and your and your listeners we think it's an extremely important uh topic and we think that now is the time. November seems like it's very far away. That maybe it's something you don't have to address right away, but we believe that it's the conversation that people need to be having now. We need to be talking about this issue now so people truly understand what the impact of this initiative is. Agree. I, I totally agree with that. So with that being said, John, give us some music and we'll roll right into the show. Welcome to the Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove. On Business Matters, we discuss the issues that matter to your business. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and BeanTeam.com. And now here's your host, Charles Musgrove. Good morning and welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove, your host with the Business Matters Talk Show. Guess what? Today we've got another exciting show, another great episode. Today we're going to be talking with Samantha Paget. Samantha, welcome to the show. Charles, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's going to be awesome. Samantha is the general counsel for the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association. So that is a big title, Florida Restaurant Lodging Association. They are a critical association representing the hospitality industry in the state of Florida. Yes, sir. So Florida is all about hospitality. Absolutely. It's Bringing those visitors in, spending the money, making our economy churn. It is our largest industry, and we want to make this a state that is welcome and open to everyone that wants to come to our borders. And so we support, in fact, uh, they were recently discussing the Florida legislature, that it really is tourism that is driving Florida's economy. And that revenue that is generated from tourism is really supporting every aspect of Florida's budget. So this, when we talk about what an important industry it, it is, we're not exaggerating. We don't say that just because it's our industry and we love it. We say it because it's true. It is. I believe that, and and uh, I think most Floridians believe that too. And we appreciate what you do, what the what the association does. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's an important association representing 
a very critical component of business in the state of Florida. So keep it up and make sure those people are happy and they're well represented. (laughs) Thank you. We will. So this is the time of year that as general counsel, I'm sure you're getting very busy if you're not already busy with session is it in is it started yet no it starts on january 14th so next tuesday they uh, all the legislators will be back in town and they will begin their mission in earnest and they have 60 days to pass all the new laws they wish to pass for the state of florida all right so that is a uh, that's an important time that's an important time in the state of florida and today we're going to talk about uh, one important issue that could be on the ballot. well that will be on the ballot that's been decided is the 15 dollars an hour minimum wage Increase, yes. So we're talking about increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Yes. So that is, they, they've already got the ballot. It's, it's been approved to be on the ballot. So yes. they did that through a process of getting signatures. They, you have to get, as I said, 766,200 signatures gathered throughout the state of Florida. Those signatures have to be verified by the Secretary of State of the state of Florida. Uh, you also have to have uh, the Supreme Court of Florida give their approval. Their approval isn't for the substance of the initiative. It's simply that the initiative has followed the process. They've checked all the boxes and that when that initiative goes before the voter, that the voter can read it and clearly understand what it is that they're voting on. So they've said, yes, those were requirements have all been met and this is ready to go on the ballot in november of 2020 all right so the hurdles have been passed the ballot initiative is going to happen so we will see on our ballot in november 2020 whether we want to have an increase in minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour or whether we do not correct it'll be that simple now understand the complexities of when that is phased in is Mm -hmm. is not real simple that it that it's not an automatic it's fifteen dollars an hour on day one correct but it's phased in over a number of years yes so what it, what are the number of years that's phased in over so you start out with and and i'll share with you most of your your listeners probably know that the the minimum wage is currently 846 it'll actually it'll go it's i think it just went it'll go up to 856 um in the few short weeks um and what it says is as of january 2021 minimum wage will be set at $10 an hour. And from 2021 till 2026, it will increase $1 every year in January until it hits $15 an hour in 2026. However, it doesn't stop there. Uh, The way our uh, minimum wage amendment works in our constitution is that it will be indexed for inflation. So it will start in 2026 at $15 an hour, but will continue to grow with inflation just as it does now. Wow. And just for information, just to, to kind of give your listeners and your viewers an understanding of what that increase is. So from the 846 that it, it previously was up to $15 an hour, that's a 77% increase in labor costs. 77%. That's 77%. That's mind boggling. Yes. Now, for those who pay tipped employees, it's actually an 83% increase. I won't get into the details of the tipped wage and the cash wage. It's a little, that's a little technical um, but for those that pay primarily tipped employees they actually will experience an 83 percent increase in their labor costs for for those that make minimum wage yeah that's that is dramatic and that i really believe that's going to have the biggest effect on the full service restaurants that have the tipped employees yes so the um what we know as a full service restaurant now with tipped employees that may be a thing of the past or we may see a, a big reduction in the number of restaurants like that that have tipped employees 
I think of it as any time, think of you as an individual, any time you were, if you were asked in any of your major expenses in your life to absorb a 77% cost increase, even if it is over five or six years, you're going to have to seriously think about how you allocate your resources. And because it is such a large increase, I think you'll find any business having to seriously reconsider how they operate to make sure that they can operate with that new labor cost burden. Right. So I think you you find them seeking different ways that they can make sure that they can, you know, pay the appropriate wage but continue to operate and continue to to just be able to not even turn I think some people have a misconception that restaurants for example turn a huge profit. They actually operate on pretty narrow margins. Very thin margin. So not only is the what happens is that even inside of the your income statement or your expenses when your wages increase like that, then you're gonna, you could have an increase in your workers' comp, your insurance costs. So that is not only uh, restricted to the wage increase, but it's going to have an effect on those other expenses that, that are triggered off of, of the, the, uh, the wage. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at if you're going to have to pay an increased wage, you know, look at the from the perception of the consumer. Well, if you're going to increase your costs, you're going to have to control for those costs as, as the as the employer. But you may also have to consider whether or not you're going to raise prices for your customers. So I think there's really no part of that business operation, whether it's back of the house or the front of the house, that is is untouched by by this type of consideration. Absolutely. I, it's hard to imagine a business can absorb that type of increase in in a line item like labor yes that they can't pass that along to the cus- customer and still stay in business correct and i think sometimes i always shy away from on these types of issues the parade of horribles oh it's it's catastrophic oh every business will close uh, because i think some people don't find that to be very credible but i think it's very realistic and it's very possible when you look at this issue there is no way that some businesses won't close because it is such a large increase some people will find a way to operate and continue to operate um uh, efficiently and, and profitably, but I think some people will find that burden impossible to bear. What are the, what are the, other, what's, what are the other impacts that happen when you increase the, the starting wage for an employee? So if you already have, let's say you already have employees that are working at $15 an hour, and now that starting point it starts well, at 15 that has to have not just an effect on who you bring in, the new person that that you're going to hire at minimum but wage. it impacts the staff you already have. So if you have a, a, a dedicated staff that has been with your business for, for a number of years, that they have worked from minimum wage to $15 an hour, and now you bring in the new person on day one, they're making $15 an hour, then what does that communicate to that loyal loyal staff, loyal member of your team that's been there? Do they say, okay, this is just the law of the land and I roll with it? Or do they say, hey, I, I deserve to be paid more now than just the, the person that's walking in the door? And you have, you know, what we call wage compression that that pushes every other wage up and the costs of things up because you're going to have to absorb that cost. You're going to have to, your pay scale for your entire staff is going to have to change. Right. So, you know, when you hear that, that, the, that the minimum wage is going to increase, I, I think the the initial instinctive response is, well, that that's good that yes. people will be paid a higher wage. Yes. But upon further look, that that may not bear out that, that you can actually pass that higher compensation along to the same amount of employees or that it actually trickles down to them. It's not a matter on day one of just saying, okay, here's your higher wage because they can't absorb that cost. So it becomes a matter of, okay, 
for you, employee one, I now have to pay you $15 an hour in 2026. I don't just have that extra 77% uh, uh, you know, increase laying around. So what do I do? I can cut your hours. I can change your benefits, fringe benefits. You know, we have some employers that offer uh, tuition or offer health benefits or, you know, different things. Um, do I, you know, I, I have one member who says that he has this this loyal member, you know, these loyal members of his team and that he happily pays them overtime because they're reliable. They know the system in his restaurant. And he said at the point at which there's a $15 minimum hour wage, he cannot afford to pay time and a half. He cannot afford over $22. So he will no longer pay that loyal staff that overtime because he simply can't afford it and continue to operate. He'll have to change and reallocate the way uh, and change the way he reallocates and reallocate those hours to different employees. And so it's not simply a matter of getting an increase. It's a matter of how do you pay for that increase? Uh, for other businesses, I mean, we've, we've seen it in, in different service businesses, an increased use of automation. Right. So in, in, in the retail industry, you see more uh, self-checkout lines. In our restaurant industries, you've seen some restaurants rely more heavily on kiosks that, uh, that are at their table. I've even seen, you know, videos of trade shows of automated bartenders, mm. of a significant increase in the, in the use of iPads and, and other kiosk uh, type of programs. And so it changes the nature of the business and that, that customer interaction between the business and the customer. So I, I think it doesn't come without significant change in that business. Right. And I think you have... I don't know how it relates to the increase in the minimum wage. I think it probably relates to advance in technology and just the overall mm-hmm. increase in the cost of empo- the employee cost. But you see, you see it in the larger organizations like Walmart when you mention mm-hmm. the uh, the automated checkout. Mm-hmm. So that that's almost become a a thing to expect now that you're going to see fewer people at people checker outers mm-hmm. versus the kiosk that you check out, yes. the self checkout. And you see that at McDonald's and other fast food restaurants where they're, they're going to the, the kiosk type of system. Mm-hmm. So they've got fewer paid employees and they've got, they're putting their money in the technology. So that, that really braces them for an increase in costs like this that may be passed along to them. Yes, because it changes the way. I mean, you if you have a machine, it doesn't require workers' comp. It doesn't call out sick. It doesn't require additional benefits. And so if you say, okay, I've, I've got this large cost increase. Well, what about if I just use a machine to do this? Then it's a one-time cost. There are minimal upkeep costs. And I've, I've still, my, my level of operations hasn't changed, but I found a way to not have this significant cost increase on my labor line. Right. Yeah, that's, that is, uh, I guess that's the sad, the sad part of it. It's, it's good that, that we advance the civiliz- civilization and our technology increases, but a lot of times the un- unintended consequences we have fewer people doing those tasks. And for us in the hospitality industry, that's concerning to us because really in Florida, what, what I think what sets us apart is that person-to-person interaction right? and is the ability to, I, I think that's what, if you know, you could have a, a good meal, but a great but great service and that's what you're going to remember i mean i've i've known people who've had a fantastic meal but if their server wasn't up to snuff that's really colored their experience and so we want to be able from the tourism industry to provide that great customer service opportunity that that great person-to-person interaction and it's when you look at what this cost increase does that you find businesses having to seriously 
sit down and figure out how do they provide the same level of service when the cost has increased so much. Right. It, it, it does become a, a point of which how much of that cost can you pass on to the customer? Yes. How much are they going to? How much are they going to actually to absorb? Right. And, and I had uh, one of my CEO of, of of one of my member companies who said it's it's interesting that in the restaurant industry that people will only pay about five percent of their income to eating out, and it doesn't matter how much more they make or how much less they make that really they're not willing to go much above that and he said that that statistic has remained strangely constant and so for especially the restaurant industry industry that becomes increasingly concerning that you can't possibly expect to pay for this entire increase simply by passing the cost on to the customer because the customer simply can't bear that and won't bear that right um and so then you do have to look at changing your operations and changing the way you staff your establishment right there's going to be there's going to be a lot of changes uh over the next few years if this passes yes absolutely what what has been the other communities i know this the state of florida correct me if i'm wrong but that is a ballot initiative that affects the entire state there's other there's other uh places in the united states other states other communities that they don't have they can pass this on a local level there have Yes, in Florida, it is preempted to the state level, so nothing can happen on a local level. We have seen um, in other states, um, in San Francisco, they've passed a minimum wage, um, in Seattle, in New York City. Um, and it's like any time you, you look at something, and you know we talked about it earlier, statistics, you can read them to support your position. You can read them to, to you know, be negative to, towards your position. I think what I would say is is what I've seen is is we've heard of in places where it, the minimum wage is increased to over $15, $15 or above, we've seen a lot of restaurant closures. Um, we've seen um, people whose hours have been cut, whose benefits have, have changed. And even though, yes, they may be making more an hour, Overall, cumulatively, they may not be making more because that business had to figure out how to absorb that cost. Right. And they did it by cutting hours. Yeah. That's unfortunate that 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 happens, but that's how those businesses survive. Yes. So where was this first enacted? Was it on the West Coast in the Northeast? You know, I can't say with any degree of of accuracy. I say it's probably in larger urban areas. Like I said, New York City, San Francisco, Seattle, those are the ones that that I was most aware of. And again, you have reports that say it was absolutely great for those areas. Um, There was a, out of the Congressional Budget Office, they did a look at it because actually on the federal level, the, the U.S. House passed a minimum wage increase to $15 an hour. And so they did a study of it and they said, you know, immediately, you know, over a million people will be lifted out of poverty, which if you stopped there, that sounds fantastic. Right. But almost an equal number of people will find themselves without a job. Wow. So when you balance that out, yes, you want to celebrate that people have been lifted out of poverty, but what do you do about the people who are now without a job? You can't look at just the benefits of this. You have to look at the result of it and, and what comes of it and, and the potential drawbacks. And, and I would say not even potential, the, the definitive drawbacks that will come with the passage of, of such an initiative. So you, you said that the, the House passed that. That's that's the U.S. House. Right. Um, so they did pass it. Um, it's given the political nature in, in D.C. It's highly unlikely that's something that the U.S. Senate would pull up and hear. Right. And we don't anticipate that, that they will do so. So. Yeah, that's what I've heard also, that this is really a, a dead issue at the federal level. Yes. So what is the, we're in January right now, so what does the path look 
from January to November, what is what's going to happen as far as the battle lines drawn, the the communication, the effort that the floor, those that are for, those that are against this passing? I, I think you'll find it's it's you know human nature is that the further away you are from an issue, the less likely it is you're, you're, you are to get someone's attention and hold their attention. So we have, as an association, have to be very, uh, you know, really driven about, you know, and really realistic about, okay, in January, how much are people going to pay attention to this? Probably not a lot. But we have to have a plan that as we get closer to November, how are we going to talk about this? How are we going to put this in front of people and make sure that they're paying attention to this? And and we're really in discussions about that now internally and with our members. Um, even before this initiative is approved, we went around to all our regional chapters and said, hey, this is coming. This is likely to happen. This is likely to be on the ballot. You need to be looking at your business and talking about how this impacts your business. And we're seeing a lot of feedback, especially from our smaller businesses, our local businesses, our independent operators that say, this is not something that we can absorb. This is incredibly detrimental to us, if not you know, if not a business ender. And like I said, I hate to be, I don't like the parade of horribles. I don't like to light my hair on fire. But I think for some small businesses, for mom and pop locations, I think this is something that, that could make or break them. So that's the business owner that, that's making that comment that it could be, they may have to take drastic measures. Yes. And that, that could be as drastic as we're going we're gonna to close our business. But the message has to be delivered to the the wage earner those people that are affected by that because that's the really the masses that that are affected and that that's going to come out to vote i think anytime you're delivering a message and you're talking about an issue as much as we all want to think of ourselves as people that think about our fellow man and and think about the broader issue i think when somebody an individual steps into the voting booth and they have the ballot before them um and i think now the way our voting system works is a lot of people you know their ballots are mailed to them they early vote so they're even taking a little more time to consider these things i think it's human nature to think about okay how does this impact me directly so as a business association it's our job not to just have people consider oh my gosh the business will close it's to talk about what the impact is to the individual the impact to your neighbor, the impact to, uh, let's talk about if, if you have a teenage a teenager, how likely is it, how much more difficult is it for them to going to be to get their first job? If a company is now paying $15 an hour, they're going to want some serious labor for $15 an exactly. hour. Exactly. They're going to want experience when they hire it. They're exactly. not going to, they're not going to want to give that starting position to somebody that they're mentoring or they're training that they can afford to have that extra training time. That position becomes more and more competitive. And that's why, you know, we talk about a minimum wage. A minimum wage is not, and I'm going to say something that's unpopular and, and, and probably going to get, you know, me a little negative feedback. This was, a minimum wage was not designed to for a person to support themselves throughout their life. It was not designed to support a family. It was designed to be a training wage, a starting place. Right. It was designed to bring in a person who knows nothing about a business, knows nothing about an industry, and give them a basic wage as they learn how to contribute, as they learn the system in that company, as they learn and grow. And as you learn and grow and become a more valuable employee with a more valuable contribution, your wage should grow also. Right. That's exactly right. So it's a starting point for the the, the youth 
Yes. For those that need that starting job to get started in a career. In a career. And so, we, you know, we want to talk about what is the impact, again, to the neighbor, to the individual, to us as a person. And I think that's where we have to talk about, okay, yes, it sounds great for people to make an increased wage, but what if that actually ends up costing them hours? What if that ends up costing them a job? What if that ends up raising your prices? What if you're on a fixed income and you have no space in your budget for any type of increase? What is the impact to you? Right. And that's what we really need to talk about is our community as a whole and also each individual. What is the impact of this? Because I don't, as you said, I don't think this is something that will be isolated, an isolated impact only to those working in minimum wage jobs. I think we will feel the reverberations of this throughout our communities. Exactly. So since we're talking about what happens between now and the and the time we, we go in the voting booth or we get our, our election form, mm-hmm. our mail-in ballot, what what is the... Um, how are the numbers is it too early to know what the margins are going to be you know are we are we talking about it's a it's a one to three percent that we have to convince one way or the other that this is going to swing that tight so if we're talking broadly i mean you can break it down by by demographics and and those those are different depending on party depending on race depending on socioeconomic level those are different things but if you're just going to kind of break it down to the basics um you know, the most recent polling that we've seen, um, you see, we probably, let's see, back in June of, of, of 2019, saw some polling that said that about it's across the board, about 65% of people favor this amendment. Um, with some, you know, changes and with, with some comments by, by key leaders, in, you know, in our state, um, we see that, de- we see that decrease. And so now it's down to about 62%. So when we have a requirement that we hit 60%, really, you're only looking at having to convince 3% of people that this is not a good idea. Right. So it does come down to that three, four percent mm-hmm. is we're, that that's really in the margins on on one way or the other. Yes, and really, and, and again, helping people get past that initial uh, feeling of, oh, of course this is good, this is good for everybody, and look just a little bit deeper into it and say, okay, but is it really, once you start people payment, where, you know, money does not, it's not free. Right. And so when you're when you're paying that more, where where does that come from? And what is the, what is the true cost of that throughout that business and throughout that community? So how does, how are the, how are the numbers lining up? Because you have to have, uh, this comes down to a big money spend too on the money that gets in front of pro, mm-hmm. pro or against. It does. So you've got, I would think, the big business. Tell tell me how that's breaking down. Who's who's supporting this? Who is against this? Well, you know, it's funny, and and this is a conversation we're definitely having internally now. You do have some large companies, and please don't make me name them, um, that have already made a decision internally that they are going to pay $15 an hour. So for those companies, they're they're not really entering into the fray. And I think we've seen, we've seen that even on the retail and those that are in the hospitality where, mm-hmm. where they have certain companies have already made a decision that they're going to do that. Yes. And they are the... I will say the ones that I've noticed, they are the large international companies that are doing that. Yes. So, so they have more depth to do it, and maybe they have the ability to rely more on technology than the small mom and pop sh- uh, yes. company. And so for those companies, even though they're likely to still experience um, the same issues and the same impacts, they're less likely. They don't want to enter into this question because of, you know, 
I think the initial feeling is is the pushback that you would get, and and it, and it's very easy to say, you know, oh, you don't support the worker, you don't uh, you don't value the worker, and and so you you see people being more engaged and active, and you see um, on social media um, potential blowback and a, a lot of potential strong blowback if people are displeased with the actions a corporation is taking, and so I think that does cause some hesitation. I will tell you that any any company that operates with workers, they understand the value of their workers. They understand the value of their employees. They can't operate. They can't attract customers without, without that. that. And real quick, those that are against it? Those that are against it? Well, I think you... It's not Florida Restaurant Lodging Association that's fighting this battle alone. Yes. So we, and that's what we are, we are in a process, in the process of really engaging our membership and also engaging our other associations in the business community, those in the retail industry, those um, in the petroleum industry, um, and reaching out to other associations and other businesses and saying, how does this impact you? And can we work together to get this message out? Very good. Samantha, we're running short on time. You have been listening to Business Matters. I'm your host, Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team. Check us out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Samantha Paget, General Counsel for FRLA, $15 an hour wage ballot initiative. Check us out every Sunday at 1130 a.m. on Real Talk 93.3. I am Charles Musgrove. Have a blessed day, a great week, and we'll check you out next week. The Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove is sponsored by The Bean Team. For all your business accounting and tax preparation needs, visit beanteam.com or call 893-7710. You can listen to more episodes of Business Matters on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or visit beanteam.com.